All right. Well, here we go. We are in what's called our position papers. So it's at the end of our doctrinal statement where we've got a couple papers talking about a few specific things that we've taken a stance on. And today we are in the topic of creation, namely six-day creation. Okay. Now before we get to the whole six days part, um, I want to begin with just this question, just to get our minds thinking in this direction, prime the pump, let's start thinking about this. What words, ideas, or concepts, whether you agree with them or not, come to mind when you think of the origin of the world? So we're talking beginning of time. What sorts of things come to mind? Okay? Dinosaur. Dinosaur. Yeah. It's not wrong. I mean, it's not wrong. Yeah. We're going to keep down this path. All right. Mythical creatures. Nessie. Okay. Who's Nessie? Another name for Loch Ness. Yes. Oh, like a bunch of animals, really, or not? Like the Garden of Eden? Eden? Just walking around together? Okay, so we've got Eden and animals in Eden. Garden of Eden. Okay. Yeah, Aaron. I mean, I know this is, there are still, I was going to say volcanoes, except, volcanoes. Okay, so let's call it, um... I know, that's what I'm saying. I just know. I don't know what that is. What do you think we have? I'm not sure if that's how you spell it. We'll say seismic activity, okay? So, like, like... Continents colliding, earthquakes, volcanoes. Sure. Elijah? Huh? There's lots of fruit. Lots of fruit. Okay. I'm going to put that in Eden. Okay. Along with the animals. We still have volcanoes. Keep going, guys. You guys have taken school, right? You guys do school. Other things that come to mind? Oh! Yes. Okay. Pavement, okay. Okay, so far, um, just so you guys know, the middle schoolers are really carrying me on this one. <laughs> Thank you, Drew. Okay. So, 
Alright, how about um, evolution? Anybody ever heard that? Oh, okay, I'll put that up here. it's time to cut this train off. It's not really going to the station I was hoping it was going to. So. Okay. So there's some things. Um, maybe another way of, of asking the question is, as you have studied the origins of the world, how many have you studied the origins of the world? You've taken earth science or biology or chemistry, these types of things, okay? So as you've studied the origin of the world, um, has, is there anything that stands out to you as interesting in these theories? Yeah? Okay, yeah. So we're talking like some books will say your ancestors are from a million years ago. Yeah. I read a book and it said the people are fit for society because the ancestors were alive a million years ago. Yeah, okay. So we've got theories of really, really old Earth a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, Alec? Um, I remember my, uh, bio, my freshman year bio teacher, my freshman year bio teacher said that uh, the Big Bang and creation can be one theory because if God created the world, it's a Big Bang, right? Okay. So the question of, yeah, like we've got these theories out there. We've got, can God, did God do it? What happened? Yeah, Drew, something else? Yeah, so getting down to what you know, Doug mentioned it this morning, this idea that like, yeah, if the Earth had, or the universe had a beginning, where'd that beginning come from? Can something come from nothing? If it can't, what does that say? Had to be there? Something was something always there? Who started creation? What started creation? Okay, good. All right, so moving on, a lot of things that I have found interesting. One of the ones that I think is really interesting is in the idea of an expanding universe. Um, this idea that the universe is rapidly expanding, that, that things are moving away from one another, and that if you take that and you rewind the tape, that things would be moving closer to each other. Man, that's just interesting in, in considering something's happening here, that going against that idea that everything is just kind of where it is and it's always been there, that actually, no, there was a beginning. Okay, so I find that really interesting. Well, next question, let's talk about this. How do um, discussions or lessons about the origin of the world typically make you feel? Okay, so Alec referenced, he's been in a class, you know, biology class, talking about Big Bang versus creation. Um, as the topic of the origin of the universe comes up, do you guys have reactions to that? Yeah. Uh, I just comfortable. Comfortable? Okay. Yeah. I think we'll move on to this question, okay? Let's stick to this one. Yeah. Uh, 
kind of feel uncomfortable because it seems like everyone has their own version and no one really listens. They just kind of are on edge for no reason. Okay. So there can be some edginess. There can be butting heads. Good. All right. Okay. Well, let's just keep those in mind. We're going to move forward here. All right. So I want to help us to understand where our church is at um, and hopefully help us to get to a point where we can feel a little more comfortable, um, not necessarily because I've solved all of the quandaries of where the universe started and how it began and all that stuff, um, but because we've got some more solid footing underneath us to stand on as we think about the origin of the world, okay? Okay, so let's start with this question. We have two sources of truth as uh, human beings, okay? Where do we learn truth? Should we learn it from scripture or should we learn it from nature? Let me explain what that means, okay? In this debate, in this question of where the world began, what does your science textbook usually talk about? It talks about nature, right? It talks about all the things that the, the scientists have studied. So what are some nature things that it's going to talk about? It's going to talk about evolution, right? It's going to talk about observations of, of things mutating and growing and changing, okay? It's going to talk about geology, okay? You guys have studied rocks, the rock cycle, and, and how rocks are formed and how they form over hundreds of millions of years. And then we're going to look at the rocks on the earth and we're going to say these look really old. What do we do with this, okay? What does this tell us about the world? We can talk about the stars and the universe and things expanding, right? So nature has a lot of things that, that, science is, that scientists are studying to, to understand what is true about the world. And then we also have the Bible, okay? So my question is, where are we supposed to get our truth? From the Bible or from nature? What do you guys think? Ah, I heard it. The answer is both, right? The answer is both. Who wrote the Bible? The guy who made nature. The, the guy who made nature, that's right. <laughs> Jumping ahead to my next question, right? Who wrote the Bible? God wrote the Bible. Who wrote nature? Who wrote the story of nature? God wrote the story of nature, okay? So here's something that we need to get straight from the outset. The Bible and nature are not in conflict with each other, Okay? But that's not usually the story we hear, is it? The story we usually hear is that nature tells us one thing and the Bible tells us another thing and we have to make a decision, right? And as Christians, that's usually how it's posed to us is what are you going to decide? As a Christian in your classroom, you're often being told, you know, you got to decide which one's right, your faith or the textbook, Okay. And for, for those who study the story of nature, I'm not going to, I'm going to paint with very broad strokes here, but for those who study the story of nature, most science tells us that the earth is very, very old, right? Would you guys agree with that? That's kind of what you've learned, okay? Earth is very, very old. Most textbooks, I would say, teach us in, about evolution, this primordial goo that we, you know, came out of and... and slowly evolved from one species to the next. We've got the monkey men, we've got the cave men, okay? Somewhere in there might be Adam and Eve if, if we believe the Bible. We've got the idea that there's evidence from geology and astronomy that the earth is really old. 
Um, and, and that's not to say that there aren't scientists out there who are working to suggest other theories, to say actually the Earth is quite young, reinterpreting the data, um, questioning the data that's come up, all right? But let me paint in broad strokes and say uh, science mostly tells us the Earth is very old. When we look at the Bible, we have to ask the question, well, what does the story of the Bible tell us? So you guys, you, none of, you guys have a Bible? Open up to Genesis 1. If you need a Bible, there might be some over there on that shelf. I don't know. It's been moved around. Let's open up to Genesis 1, and let's just remind ourselves the story that Scripture tells us. Okay, so scripture tells us, let's read Genesis, it shouldn't be hard to find, first page, Genesis 1, says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So we have earth, heavens, we have God there. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse which is this expanse is the sky, from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so, and God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so, and God called the dry land earth and the waters that we gathered together he called seas. And God said that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, and on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which the seed, each according to its own kind, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And if you keep reading, we get the sun and the moon and the stars, We get uh, the waters are filled with living creatures. The air is filled with living birds. We have animals created on the earth. We have vegetation. We have people all being created. And at the end of each day, what's that phrase that we hear being said? And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day, the sixth day, right? Well, let's just stop and look at this and just say, oftentimes, we've been told that we need to question as Christians, like there's, there's this dichotomy between science and the Bible, and we got to choose one. But let's just think about this for a second. You guys don't have to be a scientist to see that there's some things in Genesis 1 that might be kind of hard for us to understand. So for example, on the first day, what's God create? Heaven. Light. He creates light, okay? And then on the fourth day, God creates the sun. So, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to be like, hmm, 
Hmm. Okay. That doesn't line up with how I usually think about light, right? Okay. Or how about in one day, God created all the vegetation that filled the earth. I don't know if you've ever had that exciting experience where your mom or dad includes you in choosing what you're going to plant this spring. You pick out the flowers and the vegetables and everything you're going to plant and you're excited and you go put it all in the dirt. By that night, do you have a full garden? No. We know that plants take a little bit longer than 24 hours to grow, don't we? So you don't have to be a scientist to go, huh, really? Full-grown trees in 24 hours. That's interesting, to say the least, right? So what do we do with that, right? We, We don't have to be scientists to look at this account and say, God, what are you doing here? 20, like a day and, and you filled the earth with plants? You created light and then a few days later you created the sun? What, what is that all about? Okay, and, and it's not unchristian for us to make those observations and to go, I wonder if I should ponder this a little bit. And oftentimes we think it is unchristian for us to ask those questions. Like we got to run and screaming in the opposite direction when a question like that comes up. So I'm going to leave those for us in just a second, okay? But let's ask this question. As we look at Genesis 1, what would you say God, how long would you say it took God to create everything? Yes. Six days, days, right? And we're not saying that because um, we're doing some sort of fancy interpretation technique here, are we? We just just read it. it. And it sounds a lot like it took six days. Are, you, are we kind of agreed on that? And if we're wondering about whether or not it took six days, if we're like, well, maybe a day isn't really a day. Maybe a day is like a, a billion years. What does it say at the end of each day? There was morning and there was evening. That sounds a lot like kind of the days we experience, right? We wake up, there's morning, there's evening. Sounds a lot like a normal day. And if you, if you read later on in the storyline... This idea that it's six days is used to support things. So, for example, in the fourth commandment, they're, they're commanded to keep the Sabbath. And it says, for in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So as, as God gives proof for why you should observe the Sabbath, he says, you observe the Sabbath because I made the whole earth in six days. And that's why you rest on the seventh day, because I rested on the seventh day. He didn't say, over eons and eons and eons, I made the earth, and I called them days, but there was really kind of a poetic thing I was saying. When we read the Bible, we kind of see it really seems like it was in six days. Okay? So are we we clear? This is all I want us to do, is is we were holding this tension of this whole six-day creation thing is a little confusing scientifically, and... The Bible seems pretty clear that it was six days. You guys with me? Okay. All right. So what do we do if the stories of nature and the story of the Bible seem to be telling us different stories? That's our question. What are we supposed to do if science and the Bible seem to be telling us different stories? Well, you could say, well, which one am I supposed to believe? Am I supposed to believe my science teacher? Am I supposed to believe the Bible? Which one's the truth? And the answer is, that's a bad question. They're both true. God wrote the story of Scripture 
and God wrote the story of science, of nature, okay? So, so what's disagreeing is not nature and the Bible. So for example, the rocks that look really old, they aren't revolting against the Bible. Like, I know you said we're, we're young, but we're actually really old. Okay? The stars aren't revolting against the Bible. God made them that way. So, so the story of nature and the story of the Bible are both true. Another way we can say it is all truth is God's truth. Okay? So if the, God is the creator, he wrote the story of nature just as he wrote the story of the Bible. So we believe that both are true. We believe that nature is showing us the exact same thing that the Bible is telling us. And what's wrong if they don't seem to agree is not nature or the Bible. It's either our interpretation of nature or our interpretation of the Bible. Okay? And we believe that one day our interpretation of nature and our interpretation of the Bible are going to line up. Okay? We actually say in our doctrinal summit, we do not believe that science well-practiced will ultimately find itself at odds with scripture well-interpreted. When we do science right, it's ultimately going to line up with understanding scripture right. They're telling the same story. They're written by the same author. Well, until our understanding of nature agrees with our understanding of scripture, here's the next question. Which should hold more weight in what we believe about how the universe began? So, I could stop here, right, guys? I could stop here and say, here's all the scientific evidence for why the earth was created in six days. And I would, I would love to do that. And there is scientific evidence out there. But I don't think that we're in a place scientifically as a, world, as, as, as a community in the world where we can say the burden of proof of scientific understanding sure seems to say the earth was created in six days. I don't think we're there yet, okay? I think that most textbooks, most scientists are going to say it sure seems like the earth was created over millions and millions of years, okay? So we're just going to leave that there. We're, okay, that's fine. That's fine, all right? Um, so the question is, which one should hold more weight? Do I say, you know what? The, the evidence on this side, like my biology teacher said this, my textbook said this, it really seems like I should say the Bible is just a really old book that doesn't seem to get it right? Or do you say, God wrote the Bible, and there's a lot of debate over here as to whether or not the world is really old. I'm going to lean on the Bible and say, this is going to be true, and someday we'll figure out how it all works with over there. Which one are we going to do? Well, our church takes the stance that we are going to lend much more weight to our understanding of Scripture than our understanding of nature. Now, that's not the stance that every church takes, okay? Some churches believe, not that they are devaluing Scripture, but some churches believe that there's enough scientific evidence out there to where they feel like we need to understand the Bible differently than we have for thousands and thousands of years, Okay? So I'll give you a couple options. So some people would say, science really seems to point to the fact that the earth is really, 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 really old, not created in six days and only 6,000 years old. And they would say, science seems to point to the fact that we really did evolve. Um, 
and they have to adjust their understanding of Scripture. So some ways that they might do that is there is the idea that a day in Genesis 1 is not really a day. It's millions of years. So it's just kind of these periods of time that God's doing stuff over millions of years. And I would argue that when you read the Bible, it seems pretty clear that it's a day. Okay? Um, some would say that Genesis 1 is poetry, so we're not really supposed to understand it literally. You know, you've read poems. They don't really mean what they mean. Okay? That's kind of what Genesis 1 is. All right? It's just poetry. It, you know, it's written by ancient people. It's not something that we're supposed to take literally. Some actually hold the view that, they, that, that, that the earth is really old and God created in seven days. So I just heard recently the view that in Genesis 1, 1, and 2, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the deep. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That that first two verses actually doesn't have a time limit on it. That in fact the earth could have been created, heavens and earth created, and then for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years the rocks be forming or something like that. And then down the road, God took six days and put everything together and ordered it all instead of making it all. That's an interesting view. It's trying to hold the old earth and hold the six-day creation idea. Well, what we do at Grace Church is we believe that Scripture really seems to say it was created in six days, and so we're going to stick with that, okay? This is kind of a heady one, isn't it? You guys still tracking with me? I hope. I think I'm trying. Adam's like, no. Gone. Okay. Try to jump back on the train. We're going to keep going. Um, Okay, so we believe that more weight should be placed on scripture than on science, okay? While God wrote both stories, he promises, listen to this, he promises to give us his spirit to understand one of those stories, okay? So God promises, I'll give you my spirit to help you understand my word. So we think that we have God's spirit at work in us as we seek to understand God's Word. So that's going to cause us to lean a little bit more heavily on Scripture. We also believe that Scripture is clearly God's Word. We think that people can look at nature and they can see there must be a God out there. That's what actually Genesis 1 tells us. There must be a God out there. But then you look at Scripture and it tells us all about who that God is. Okay, so the revelation in Scripture is way deeper and more intense than the revelation that we get from nature. So we're going to lean more heavily on Scripture. Um, we also believe that because Scripture is God's word, when God wanted us to understand about creation, he wrote Genesis 1. Okay? God could have written about creation in, in a myriad of ways. And God chose to write about it using Genesis 1. I created light on day 1. I created this on day 2, this on day 3, this on day 4. That's how he communicates creation. That's how he wants us to understand it. Okay? Um, and we trust God. We trust that he's telling us what's true. Now, you might wrestle with the question, does that make us unscientific? Okay? Now, how many of you like being the dumb one in the class? I don't. It's not really my favorite thing. Some hands did go up. Okay, um, just for the, just, I'm not going to say you. All right, um, but that's kind of how we're made to feel, right? Like as Christians, we have to be like, well, I don't really believe in science, so 
Do we have to be unscientific in order to hold what the Bible says? And I say, no, we believe that science properly understood will line up with scripture properly interpreted. We do not need science though. Here's the key point. I don't need science to corroborate my interpretation of scripture in order for me to believe that scripture is true. So let's, let's take a different, very unscientific thing that happens in the Bible. One of the most unscientific things to happen in the Bible. Jesus rising from the dead. We could talk about the flood too. That, that has its own issues. But let's talk about Jesus rising from the dead. Scientific theory, will it ever prove that someone can rise from the dead? No, you, you really can't replicate that one, okay? It is incredibly unscientific to say that someone rose from the dead. So here's the question. Does that make us as Christians go, well, maybe we should reinterpret that one? Like maybe he just really didn't die and he was beat up pretty bad, but he got better and pushed a big rock out of the way. Is that what we're supposed to do? Can we just say that that is what some Christians have done? Okay. And there's, you know, branches of Christianity, we'll call them liberal, progressive versus conservative orthodox. Mm-hmm. So some people do feel the need to do that. But they have abandoned miracles and are minimizing what the Bible says because they don't believe miracles can Right. Which has led to a whole lot of problems. Right. Or do we, do we say science can't teach us anything? No, we don't do that either as Christians. Did you guys know that for a long time in the church, do you know what the primary view of the solar system was? The other one. Geocentric, okay? That the earth is in the middle of the solar system, okay? For the longest time, we as Christians, we believe the earth is in the middle, everything else goes around us because that's what it looks like when you're on it. Well, what happened? A whole lot of science happened, right? Copernicus happened, right? Now, did we say after a period of time as Christians, no, I don't care what your science says, we're still in the center of the universe? No. There's a whole lot of science showing us that we are actually not the center of the universe, and it was pretty conclusive. And so Christians said, great, we believe that. We're not the center of the universe. Okay? So it's not impossible for science to overturn a Christian idea. But let's take the question, how much science do we need to overturn a certain idea? Well, my argument would be, it kind of depends on how central that idea is to our faith. So for example, when we changed from being geocentric to Christocentric, or not Christocentric, (laughs) heliocentric, did that change our doctrines a whole lot? It changed how we think about God and our relationship with God? No, not really. Okay? How about the resurrection? If we were to say, science has proved the resurrection is impossible, would that change our doctrines a whole lot? Yeah. A whole lot. Okay? So then we have to ask the question, well, what about creation? Where does creation fall in our, like, really super-duper important doctrines? And is science strong enough to change what we believe about it? That's, that's kind of a key question for us to answer. And here's what my argument would be. There's a few parts tied to creation that are super duper important for how we understand the story of scripture. The biggest one being death. Okay? 
If you look at the storyline of the Bible, what is the storyline of the Bible? The storyline of the Bible is creation followed by the fall. Okay, the fall. That's kind of a big deal, right? The fall, sinning. What was the result of sin? Death. Okay, followed by God's plan of redemption. Here's how I'm going to save you and get rid of death. Jesus' death and resurrection, the church, and then in heaven, what's God going to do with death? He's going to vanquish it. There's not going to be death anymore. So death is kind of a big deal when it comes to understanding the Bible. Well, what gets rid of death coming at sin? Well, evolution does. What is evolution? Evolution is things living and dying and living and dying and living and dying and living and dying and progressing over lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes, right? To become what it eventually is. Can you have evolution and have the doctrine that sin is what created death or started death? No, you really can't. You can't have evolution and have all these things dying before sin. That kind of gets rid of the idea that earth was created good and perfect until Adam and Eve sinned. So there is like a really important doctrine there that we need to understand that plays into how we understand creation and how long it took. Is that helpful at all? That was a helpful point for me to think about. That's one for you to take. Um, Sorry, guys. I know this is like more like a science lesson. Hopefully this is helpful. Um, I think another thing that's helpful for us to think about, I'm just going to give you my last few points here. Um, one thing that I think is helpful is to understand that science uh, is opposed to God. So, for example, the scientific method, it, it, it seeks to understand how things can happen looking only at nature. In other words, it's going to only explain how things happen using nature, which means it systematically has removed the idea that something supernatural could have caused something. It's, it's not even within the realm of science to say, God made this happen. That's unscientific because it's supernatural. That's outside of nature. So one of the re- if you might ask, well, why doesn't science prove that God created the world? Well, science can't prove that God created the world because science only relies on nature. There is no category in science for the something supernatural doing something. Okay. We're, we're here. Offer myself, if you are interested in seeing scientific evidence and to see God's fingerprints all over the place, come talk to me. I've been reading for decades on this topic, and it's fascinating. And God is there. What Nick's talking about is this philosophy of science that excludes God as a possible answer. When you add him back in, a whole lot of things get explained. Right. And I'd love to share that with you. Okay. Here we go. Last point. Shake yourself awake. All right. (laughs) Guys, I think we should be people who pursue truth, okay? We want to know what truth is. And, and because of that, we don't need to run screaming away from science, okay? We need to know that science is the story that God wrote. And right now, there seems to be a lot of tension between God creating the world in six days and everything that you're learning in school between evolution and older theories. And guess what? 
it's okay to have tension. Okay, let me just say that. Like, it's okay for there to be some tension there. If the tension is experienced from here, saying, I can't wait until God shows us, using science, how this actually was lining up with this all along. That's really exciting. I, I read an article on it, and he, he just says, there's going to come a day when we are going to look on the scientific theories of evolution and things that have been used to disprove God, and scientists at the top of their field are going to look at that and go, wow, what were we thinking? Just like scientists who looked back at a geocentric universe were like, the evidence was everywhere. If we would have just looked at the stars and seen how things were moving, we would have realized we're not the center of the universe. Okay? There's a day coming when science will be lined up perfectly with scripture. And it's not because anything's going to change over here, but because God is going to help us to understand how this lines up with this. So they're not in conflict We can live with the tension for now. We don't have to feel afraid of science or attacked by it. We can study it and pursue it and even understand how the evidence is already being found and revealed to the fact that God created it all over six days. Um, And we can eagerly pursue understanding how it lines up with Scripture. So that's my last point. Um, But yeah, do use the resources available to you. Doug would be a great one um, in understanding how the science is there. All right, let me pray for us. I'll dismiss you. Lord, thank you for the time that we had to study this topic. Um, I pray that it would be helpful in the mindsets and hearts of these students as they go and they interact with their textbooks and their friends and their teachers. Um, I pray that you would uh, cause us to be Bible-saturated, um, uh, biblically-rooted Christians um, who are not uh, anti-intellectual in any means, but who are uh, seeking to understand how Your world declares your glory, as it says in Psalm 19, that the heavens declare the glory of God, that the sky above proclaims his handiwork, and that day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There there is no speech, there are no no words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. May we hear those words and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen.